Our first lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, the 56th chapter. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel. I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. A reading this morning from Psalm 67. May God be merciful to us and bless us. May the light of God's face shine upon us. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has brought forth its increase. God, our own God, has blessed us. May God give us blessing, and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe. Our second reading this morning comes from the book of Romans, the 11th chapter. Paul writes, I ask you then, has God rejected his people? By no means. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just as you were once disobedient to God, but have now received mercy because of their disobedience. So they have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they too may now receive mercy. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may be merciful to all. The Holy Gospel this morning, according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth which defiles. Then the disciples approached him and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? 
Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus then left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. People of God, we join me now for a word of prayer. God, make your mercy known to us. Bless us. May the light of your face shine upon us. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all peoples. Bless us by this gift that you have given us, the gift of your spirit, the gift of your word, living and dwelling among us, the gift of your promises to raise us up to new life. Strengthen us and guide us by these and all your gifts, that we may be in all times and in all places, the body of Christ raised up for the world. All these things and all the things of our hearts we lift before you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It does not take us long as children to learn one of life's hardest, most difficult lessons, a lesson that haunts and plagues us throughout our lives. Life is not fair. We learn it early the first time you drop an ice cream cone that you just got your hands on, or the first time that you're let down by someone that you deeply care for, the first time that a promise is broken. Or the first time you encounter the death of a pet, a friend, or a family member. Life isn't fair. And that is only reiterated each and every time we experience and or witness the cruelty of chance or the apathy of misfortune. 
As we look around at the state of the world today, it's easy to name the ways that life's inequity stirs up calls for justice and fairness. People reeling from recent flooding that has destroyed crops and homes and lives. The ongoing plight of a movement determined to overturn an embedded culture of racism. Families distraught as their children are claimed by gun violence, sex trafficking, and addictions. A people denied access to the health care that will prevent them from succumbing to unnecessary disease and death. A virus which leaves many of us without the luxury of maintaining prolonged isolation or quarantines because we don't have the privilege of staying in. In many ways, the reading from Matthew's Gospel today is a lesson from Jesus about the unfairness of life and what God does about it for the sake of creation. Jesus' comment to the Pharisees comes at a complaint that he receives. That the disciples aren't observing the laws of ritual cleansing which accompany a meal. The disciples, of course, noticed Jesus at odds with the religious leaders who were only bringing up the law which to these disciples seems to be fair and reasonable. Which then demands an explanation If Jesus is offering a different interpretation of the law, what does it mean? In fairness, under the law, because the disciples had not observed their ritual purity standards, they would have been cast out as unclean. But as we so often recall from Jesus, his concerns are much deeper. It's not what comes into the body, but that which comes out, which proceeds from the heart. That marks one as clean or unclean. The place then where they went, Tyre and Sidon, is in the middle of Gentile territory. A hotbed for what the Pharisees would have considered ritual uncleanliness. Notice that the disciples treat this woman who meets them on the way with the same disgust that the Pharisees had shown them. She's given no name, identified only as a Canaanite, an enemy of Israel. Ignored to the point that the disciples grew tired of her shouts and begged Jesus not to answer her plea, but only to send her away. The exchange is one that's difficult for us to hear. A cry for mercy met with almost a cold Distant Jesus. He was sent to fulfill the law, God's covenant with the Jewish people, and to minister to the lost sheep who were without leaders, like blind leading the blind. It would be unfair for him to deviate from that task, from that mission, to take the blessings that were reserved for the covenant people and to give them to another. By the strict fairness of the law, Jesus couldn't help this woman because it would be unfair to others. Life isn't fair. 
The unfairness of life is what keeps us fearful. We, we see death and we do everything that we can to preserve life, even if it means taking another life to guard our own. We see poverty and hoard up our wealth, even as we walk by others in their destitution. We see hunger and gorge ourselves while fields stand full of grain and a harvest is cast out for slop because it has spoiled on our shelves. We see hatred and turn a blind eye because it's not our fight and we don't want to add to the chaos. We see disease and lock ourselves away as others are forced into the mix to provide for our creature comforts as they themselves struggle to give thanks for their own daily bread. We are quick to set up boundaries for ourselves in the name of self-care, overlooking the cries of mercy which press in upon us, demanding to be heard. When we live by the notion that life isn't fair, we automatically turn inward on ourselves because we are terrified that the inequity of it all will creep up on us when we least expect it. We fear scarcity in various forms, and by caving into that fear, subsequently create a world where the abundance that God has tabled for us is hidden away, while men, women, and children beg for scraps with longing eyes and quivering lips. It's all a lie, and we tell ourselves that life isn't fair. Otherwise, we wouldn't sleep well at night when confronted with the truth that the scales really are tipped in our favor. The fear is what keeps us from the ministry of the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus' resurrection with a people yearning for hope, yearning for peace, yearning for relief from the abuse which comes at the hand of a fearfully unfair world. It's not fair to take from one and give to another. Yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the scraps which fall from the table. This woman who seeks healing for her tormented daughter understands, like Jesus, that life is not fair. But even more, this Canaanite woman appeals to Jesus because she understood that what proceeded from his mouth and from his heart were the only thing that could restore life and wholeness to her daughter. Confessing Jesus as Lord, she appealed to the God who responds to creation, not with fairness, but with mercy. Woman, great is your faith. What proceeds from the heart of God is not fairness, but mercy, not condemnation, but forgiveness, which frees us all from the burden of fairness to offer mercy and forgiveness generously to those who cry out, Lord, help me. Life isn't fair, and we worship a God who deals in mercy and forgiveness, which are not fair, but gracious. Fairness says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You reap what you sow. You made your bed, now sleep in it. If God dealt with us fairly, 
We would be left alone to beg for scraps, hoping and praying in vain for some relief, tormented day in and day out by the knowledge that we are powerless to overcome the burden that sin places on our lives. The burden of selfishness, greed, apathy, and fear. All of which causes us to turn against our neighbor in the name of safety, security, and peace. If God dealt with us fairly, we would get what we deserve. And that is anything but pleasant. But thanks be to God, we do not worship a God who deals with us fairly. God sees our shortcomings and offers us an opportunity to receive something more than we deserve. God sees that we do not belong to the covenant of Israel and expands it. Grafting us into the promises sworn to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. By redeeming our disobedience with his mercy. God looks at our brokenness and offers us wholeness. God sees our unworthiness and makes us worthy by claiming us as his own children. Raising us up from the dead with the promise of mercy and forgiveness, which are life in Jesus. We worship a God who lifts us up by the Spirit to do what is right and just, offering us wholeness and deliverance by saving us from sin, death, and the devil through the resurrection promise of Christ. We teach our children about the importance of fairness, of sharing equally with others so that no one is left behind. But maybe the lesson we should learn and teach to one another is the importance of mercy, which goes beyond fairness by taking the form of unmerited, boundless generosity. The giving of oneself in abundant disproportion so that another may have life and have life abundantly. As we grow in faith, may we do so in ways which reach beyond our current level of comfort to be nourished by even the scraps that fall from the table of God's kingdom through confession, worship, and prayer. As we build up community in Christ Jesus, may we do so in ways which reach beyond our current level of fear. Drawing closer to one another in the trust that God has made us for life together. As we share the gospel promise of new life, may we do so in ways which reach beyond our current conviction of fairness. Offering mercy to all those who seek it. Amen.